listening to Art Root Radio, and I'm your host, artist Michelle Lockery. What Art Root Radio is, is a connection place for everybody who has a dream of being an artist or a practice of being an artist to come together under, I guess, a tribal or a team where, you know, artists don't really have an alumni, and if you're self-taught, uh, that, that, that's a special, sometimes lonely I would guess journey and um, for me having this sounding board or this studio or this place to talk is very similar to what my scaffolding used to do you know 25 years of sitting on scaffolding and hopping down and different people would come to the scaffolding and you would just meet everybody in the community kind of like the friendly giant right I'd be up on the scaffolding and I would meet so many incredible community leaders and um, in all walks of life, I always seem to have little snippets in my brain of how I met. And I'm very honored because each one of those persons or those people had a voice on the wall. And they would climb the scaffolding or I would climb down and connections were made. And sometimes you can't remember those connections, but they were always about community building. And I believe that's deep in our roots and, and deep, especially in, in the feminine economy of how we all work together. I'm turning 60, and as shocking as the time has gone so fast, I am looking back with the fondest memories of all of the women who supported me in my career. You know, this crazy young woman who was painting murals with a model that not a lot of people, you know, were ready to hear or understood, and, you know, at-risk youth on, on art without, you know, a lot of, of training and in, in the world at the time, you know, People didn't really understand placemaking art. One of those people that I met was a woman named Val Travis. And um, join us as we talk and reminisce about how we met and, and the importance of community and nonprofit and volunteerism. And that is the brushstrokes in our community. It's not always the art on the wall. It's the people that leave the strokes behind. Well, good morning, Val. Thank you so much for being on Art Root Radio. Morning, how are you? I'm pretty good this morning. It's a little cold out there, so I had to unthaw my chickens. So that was kind of, you know. <laughs> so, how did we meet? Oh, you know, I was thinking about that. I know that I watched you paint when we first moved to Vernon. And I remember saying to my husband, that woman has amazing talent, and why can I not express myself through art? I'm a writer, I like to write, uh, but Art and Val are uh, a stick, stick man and a pen, that's about all I can do. So where we actually met, I'm guessing out in the community, out and about, different events, um, I don't know, we've just been at so many different things together, I can't pinpoint one. It's funny, I have this vision in my head of meeting you outside the DVA, and I think we were in a meeting, or you were, we were all at a meeting together, and we went outside and we were, how oh, everybody was just talking. And you and I had a conversation. Because I have this vivid imagination of, or this memory of your face talking to me. Crazy, hey? It is. And that would have been my days at the Chamber of Commerce. That's, and you know, that's what's the most important thing is when we start talking to all of the people that we've been talking to on the podcast and why we want to do this is how many of us women have been part of um, nonprofits, you know, and how those skills 
I think raised a generation of women that still have so much to offer. Yeah, there's, you know, I'm running right now, I'm running the 2022 BC Winter Games for Greater Vernon, and a good chunk of my board and a good chunk of my chairs, the primary volunteers for this event are all women. That's what I think is so important. My mom, my, I grew up in a coal mining town, and it was only volunteers that you survived. Do you have young women that are volunteering? Uh, we have some young women. There's a few here and there. Not as many young women as I would like to see. And so that's part of the encouragement now is to try and grow and develop the next generation of volunteerism for Vernon because we a lot of the same people show up to volunteer for these events. And we need to prime and develop and create new volunteers for the community because at some point we're all going to be a bit tired and burnt out. So we have to be careful about managing that and bring on the next group. So tell me something about Val. Tell me a little bit about you. Uh, it's kind of a complicated mess. Um, so born in England originally, came to Canada very young with my family. Uh, realistically, my folks were just gypsies, moved all over the country, and ended up in BC, and BC is home by far. Vernon's been home for 24 years now, and the longest I've ever stayed anywhere in my life. Uh, I just recently lost my husband last Christmas, so everything's still a bit raw, and uh, life is, is good in the aspect that I have tremendous support from family and friends uh, to be who I am, to do what I need to do. Um, I get very little pushback, and I, I'm just in that recovery mode right now, and, and I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm so sorry. I know how hard it is to lose somebody. It's an interesting, I th always thought, I've had a lot of death from the time I was very young, traumatic deaths. And I go, I feel that you cross a bridge when you lose somebody that you love. There's a fracture that there's no return from. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge fracture. In my case, it's a giant Grand Canyon right now. I lost my mom, my dad, and my husband, Mark, all a year apart. And uh, that, that resulted in my three best friends, my three life confidence disappearing. So it's, it's a huge fracture for me. And I don't know that it's one that will ever heal. I don't know. I, I don't like the terms go forward. I don't like the terms go back or reinvent. I just know that I get up every day and try to figure out the next direction. Losing them is never going to leave me. No, losing them is never going to leave you. And my heart goes out to you because it's Christmas and I'm so grateful you're doing this podcast because people always look at Christmas as being a happy time. I'm personally not a real huge fan. I love the idea of Christmas, but Christmas is a really, can be a very moment for so many. Yeah, it's a difficult time. I, I have planned all along to not be at home this year. And so I'll be escaping to some uh, friends in Seashells. Oh, nice. And are having a low-key Christmas. And it'll, it'll basically be, you know, get up in the morning, have a nice breakfast, go for some hikes, and have a nice dinner and get dressed up. But there is no presents. There is no anything. We are just spending time together. Writing. You're a writer. And um, listeners can go to um, your website. We'll have all of that at the, the end so that people can 
listen and read and learn more about you. And that's what I like. I like people to go and investigate the people on my podcast. But what has writing done for you in this process? Yeah, so it's it's really the place I go to relieve all of the stress and tension and emotion that gets wrapped up in the world of COVID because all of this happened in COVID too. So it's the place that I can sit down and just let the words pour out of me, um, typically onto my cell phone. It's the first thing I grab. I'm quick with it. I can get all the words out and I just, I'll post it somewhere. And my history has been to just post to Facebook. And I've been encouraged by a lot of people to expound that and start building a blog. So that's in the works right now. And it's exciting to think about that. You also encouraged me to think about a children's book. And that's something that I'm, I'm working on in the background for myself as well. I come from a family of storytellers. My granddad was the most amazing storyteller. And I still have all of his letters that he wrote, wrote to me from England because I go back to them for the family story from him. My mom was an amazing writer, but just never fulfilled her dream of writing the book. So I'm hoping to be able to do that for her and use all her writings into one, one book. That, that's amazing because my dad was a storyteller and my dad wanted to um, write children's books and he would plan them. And he used to write every day about nature, about the environment, about the fish, everything that was happening. And again, this podcast happened so that I could tell my mom and dad stories because life got in the way for them. And they were these amazing artists in a time that, you know, you couldn't be artists. And I've, I always think I stand on the shoulders of giants because I have had the ability, you know, and sometimes I was arrogant about it, that how did I get to be able to create my entire living through art? That is amazing that you have. I mean, writing for me at this stage of the game is just just that it's just writing um and i know that i need to spend more time it's a bit of a childhood dream if i look back in old diaries you know when when anyone says what do you want to be when you grow up uh for me it was always a writer and so it's time to sort of pursue that i i grew up in that generation though you know writers don't make money and you can't write a bestseller uh, i heard all of those things and maybe it isn't a bestseller maybe it's just me writing um, but whatever it does for me, it, it really helps relieve. It is also a bit of a pickup for me because during COVID, one of my uncles in England also had uh, two strokes as a result of COVID. And so he's one of the neurological patients out there. And he was our incredible storyteller on my father's side. So I'm, I'm very hopeful to go back and spend some time with him and write some things because he can no longer speak. Uh, just write some things and have him read them so I can see whether or not they're they're what I believe the stories were. So I'm trying to document all those at the same time right now. Well, I'd love to lend you all the equipment I have because all they got to do is phone in. So you can just phone in and record that so you don't have to wait to go. And that's why this has been really important is my mom told a story about being a child <clears throat> and being very hungry. She lived in the Crow's Nest Pass. And um, her and my um, uncle killed a moose. And they were so scared to bring the moose home because my grandfather was a very harsh man for many reasons. And she thought they sat in this tree and it was a poplar tree. And she said, if all of these poplar leaves were pennies, we wouldn't be so hungry. Mm -hmm. 
And I always saw that as a children's book. And and I think that's, there's a, a movement almost coming together. I'm listening to you and you have a storyteller voice. There's this calm, like you just really have a storyteller's voice. And it, it, it just brings a lot of comfort to be able to share it. When, when I finally get the story out, it's just all this beautiful comfort. And you can see, especially around children, you just see that bewilderment in their eyes and, and the fascination with the story and what the outcome was. Because all along, you know, that build up for kids and where it's going, um, they just get, they get so excited at the end of a good story. And I, I love the power of reading. And writing, so that's something I just want to pursue while I have the chance because I've, I've taken some time away from work, and so I just have that chance now, and I'm just going to pursue it. It's really exciting. I've been talking to an awful lot of women now. I'm going to be 60 in two days. It's still, I'm like, wow. But I have all these women friends that have had completely different careers, whether in, you know, nonprofit corporations, and they're all pivoting in a really rapid way that we need. I think there's an urgency almost out there for us to leave our wisdom stories. I think that's a great, great uh, description of what has to happen. You know, I think we grow up in a, in a time, you know, in my life it was you get a good job, you make good money, you get a pension, and yeah, you go. And and in that, you know, you do some fun things if you've got the money to do it, but otherwise you get a good house, right? Yep. So I, I listen, and, you know, I, I pursued careers and I had a lot of fun doing them but they were not my passion and you know I went from marine engineering to water quality technology to microbiology and quality assurance to managing a chamber managing a law firm and none of those were what really speaks to what's in my heart is that storytelling and the writing and encouraging people to read and that's really where my big passion is is, is in the writing to get the words out and hope that other people will read those stories. It's funny, I've been spending, so I make my life as an artist, but I do an awful lot of um, political push to write grants to help nonprofits. And it's been exhausting to try to convince um, the greater vision, I guess, that if we can bring our artists together, the economy would be stronger. And it was this year that I just couldn't do it anymore. It was like, you know, writing those grants and trying to show something that maybe is still in the future. I don't know. But I had to take the step back and I was in a bookstore and I was reading a book called Ish. I don't know if you've heard of the book. No. Oh, and the book is about a little boy who gets told he can't draw. And I can't even talk about it. I get quite emotional because, you know, I've been an artist, but I've also had to write grants and raise millions of dollars. And it's exhausting convincing how important the arts are and then I realized when I read this book and I'll let the viewers and the listeners to go and hear it themselves because when you read this little book you'll go that was me why have we dulled all of our humans that were not creators every one of us are yet for some reason the system has taken that from just about everybody it does and it, it, it does squash it. It really does. And that's exactly where I got squashed was in school. And I can remember my girlfriend, really good artist too, also getting squashed in school. Oh, you can't make money doing that. All of those stories that we hear, 
you know, about how we should succeed in our life instead of just actually listening to what's in our heart and, and pursuing it. And your art is phenomenal. And, and I know I've seen you out there trying to convince the masses of how beneficial art is to the community and to the economy. And that connection doesn't come through for a lot of people. And I think it's because they were always told, you can't make money off art. You can't make money off writing. And I think it's wrong. It is. You know, I come from a really a wilderness family. Like, so my um, cousin, who was like my brother, he owned a guiding territory. He was killed by Cape Buffalo. <laughs> um, it, it's not a funny story, but it is a funny story because I always believe nature takes what he lived a great life pushing for animals and killing animals and it was an animal that took him and he was a storyteller and a writer and all of these things in my head go to the fact that content and if you look at it right now content is the only thing yet the system that's making money off of content and creators you can see i can see the tunnel yet for some reason people don't see it as the humans it's the humans creating the content. So I'm excited because I think right now everybody does understand the power of the arts. It's now taking a step up and having a voice of what do we do with that power and knowledge. And I think I'm so excited because you have worked in all those different um, streams, working in a chamber. I see a creative chamber. There needs to be a creative chamber. Blend the models. We don't want to do that anymore because we're done. But we do have the ability now to tell the story of the last how many years so that we can be part of that wisdom. So I'm really excited just in everything that you're telling me that I think what you have to say is vital. Yeah, it feels vital. It really feels vital. And, and you know, I think back in the last year and a bit here with all the COVID craziness, I like to call it. And if not for COVID, I don't know that I would have had the real opportunity to take some time to just reset. If not for the deaths that surrounded me, I don't think I would have had that time to sort of take that time and reset. And I think there's times when we just get a good solid kick and a reminder that we need to pursue what we're here to feel strongly about, what our passion is, and just pursue it as hard as we can. And like I say, I might never ever write a bestseller, but damn it, I'm going to write a blog. And if two people read it, that's fantastic, right, for me. And I always get a lot of, a lot of more courage when I finally get the words out. I'm exhausted for days. It takes me some time to go back and reread it. But then people's comments to me about my writing and about the strength in my writing and what they see and that encouragement to keep going, that just reconnects me, regrounds me, and keeps me going in the direction that I need to go for storytelling. I'd like to see a writer's group actually start in the Okanagan. Um, I, I work with quite a few um, women that all are writers and one of these ladies said to me, oh I'm not really a writer. I'm going, you're a painter of words. Writers are painters of words. Like when I paint murals, I'm a giant photocopier. I mean there was an image and I can pretty well paint anything just by looking at an old photo. I don't need to project, it just comes from my arm. But when I paint in my studio, number one, it's frightening to walk into that studio you have to go into your soul take those words from your soul into your hand and try to put them on canvas and then watch them reflect back to you yeah so you know, what, I, I, yeah. I entered a cbc contest a little while ago um a, 
a story about the day that we scattered my mom's ashes and some whales came to visit. It was a beautiful story. And I, I just was so nervous. I just submitted it. I just, ah, I got to get it in there. Half to meet deadline. Just got it in. And, you know, didn't win anything. Didn't get an acknowledgement. Didn't. That's okay. That's okay. Other than your, your entry has been received. That was my big acknowledgement, which was my, which was really what I needed to do was just enter it. But when I look back at that story, it reminded me the reason that I need to sit back and take some time and let the story flow and then go back and really edit and then really go back and look at it again and then maybe have a close friend read it because it was full of grammatical mistakes, missing words. It was hilarious. <laughs> I went back and read it and I'm like, no wonder you didn't go anywhere with this. But that was okay. It was my first attempt to just get it out. And it really didn't matter to me if I ever heard from anybody what mattered is I pressed send and it was an entry. And that was that was the first step for me in this whole pursuit of writing and storytelling for me. So it was a big one. It was scary, but it was good. And I was glad I did it. Well, congratulations, because that's fantastic. And I, I know some pretty well-published um, writers. One of them is my niece. And she says, Auntie, that's what an editor's for. She said, <laughs> she says, Auntie, write like you breathe and what do you want to leave what do you want to gift the world write and don't worry about any of the rest of that and find a friend that will edit it but don't let them edit your passion out but she says true writers have editors i i love that right like you breathe i've never connected those words together and that really just really helped me right now And, and and that's what it really is and so you the art in you has to come out. And if you're, that's school, that's the system. So my, my sister always calls, that's that's Sylvia in the corner. So if Sylvia in the corner is talking to you about grammar or anything like that, tell Sylvia to shut up. <laughs> so, I like that idea. so when I'm in the studio, I'm going, Sylvia, shut up. Just, just go over there. Stop talking to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's interesting, in, in taking some time to write, it's also connected me to the art world because that's something that was never in my world. My, my parents weren't down that path. My dad did a little bit of art here and there, but it was never, you know, we never went to a gallery. We didn't go to museums. We didn't do those. But in the past year, it's just pushed me to go to places I've never been before. One was our local Katani house that I just went and did the tour and was mind blown. Right. What I saw. Couldn't believe what this woman had created that I never knew in 24 years. And I saw her story, but I didn't understand the work she did. So seeing 17 of those 43 pieces, I think it is, was absolutely overwhelming for me. And I, I'm, I'm so looking forward to seeing the rest of them one day. And I traipsed off to Vancouver and, and took in the Van Gogh show. And for me, that was unbelievably emotional. Oh. I had a hard time staying upright in there. I was overwhelmed with what I saw in the story of Van Gogh. And so it's just that connection of art and, and my art, which is words, and being able to make that connection. It's finally started happening, and it never happened before. It's crazy, right? I mean, I lived in the Katani house. So Sveva wrote journals, and I kind of, she, there was a side room that was locked up, and it was kind of creepy, so my daughter kind of, we broke into it, because I was like, I'm not living there, and I don't know what's in that locked room, and it was a case full, this huge, huge wooden 
crate full of her writings, her art, what she wrote to her mother, letters, and um, she wrote about the fact that she had books. And there was thousands of books in the library when we moved in. And she would pick up a book and she would read it and then she would create a painting from that book. Uh, I, I'm so glad they opened that house up for public tours. I think that's the only way they're going to viably be able to stay alive long term. But I think that that is just such an asset to our community for people to be able to go in, feel it, live it, see the buildings, see her paintings. Um, yeah, or her, and, and that was the other thing. You know, I'd always believed that watercolors were just these muted things that you kind of, you know, did with a brush. And here I was standing there looking at these super defined characters done in watercolors. I was blown away. See, I think you paint. I think you just don't know you paint. <laughs> so I would like to invite you to my studio because there is nothing like a blowtorch, <clears throat> melting wax, and oil paint. And you put it on a canvas and you don't think and you put music on and you probably drink a little bit of wine and you melt it and it is absolutely incredible. Every person on this planet can paint. I, I will take you up on that offer for sure. You know, and it's 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 really interesting. Sveva's story when people, and I'll lend you a book that um, um, her maybe mother, because there's not always proof that um, her mother was who her mother was. And there's a twist to the Catani story. And um, it's in the letters that Vittoria Colonna wrote that actually says, kind of leads to the fact that she was Sveva's mother and that there was this lover, artist, and it's just incredible that the truth in these letters that have just been published by this Italian writer, and I read this thing that said, when you write, you cannot lie. It's very true. It, the words come out, and you don't have any control on how they lie on the page. They just come out, and the ability to rearrange them into a lie is impossible. It's impossible, right? Now think about if Sveva's story is this other story, which I think it is, that makes Sveva the actual princess of both sides of Italy and actually gives Vernon a place of Italy that any other city would have made billions of dollars off of. And yet the still hidden story of lack of information and knowledge, I go, does anybody realize that she's actually like a descendant of Michelangelo and the actual crown princesses, people will flock to Vernon. You want to build an art center? Make it the Catani Center. Yeah, and and you're right. The story has a million holes in it. Yeah. And and the the whole idea of keeping her inside, the whole idea of isolation, everything adds to the mystery of it. The, the, the mother, as they call her, um, it doesn't fit. Things don't fit quite right. And why Vernon? You're coming from Italy. Why are you coming to Vernon? Well. It's just, it's just such an interesting story to me, and I agree. There are pieces missing. There are things that, you know, have been black-lined over time, and we're never, we're not, we may not hear the whole story in our lifetime. Uh, but I certainly hope we do. I hope enough people dig around and find about it. You just got to read the book because there was a death of the other Impressionist artist who she was in a love match with. And they talk about that um, in Italy at the time, a husband who was punishing his wife would take the child away. And there was another child. And then this person, 
gets shot. Her lover gets shot. And the person has, he was a horseman and said he fell off his horse, but he was actually shot. And the other person was sent and expelled to another country. (laughs) The plot thickens, I like it. Yeah, so that's the importance of of writing and art, right? And that's what's exciting. So uh, this has just been great. So tell me if you had like a quote, how important is art in the time of COVID? What do you think? What's your quote on how important that is? Um, you know, uh, it comes right from my blog. Uh, I think that everybody has something to say. I think every single one of us has a story to tell. I think every one of us has art to paint. I think every one of us should be drawing something. And, you know, if, if I look at my mom as a great example, she had a million stories in her head. And the sadness is that she never got them to paper. And that's, that's a missing piece for me in my life of not getting the stories from her. And I think it's important for all of us to figure out that passion and what we love to do, be it writing, be it painting, drawing, whatever it is, and just tell the story because I think we all have something to say. I love that. And it's so true. When I started the Sunflower Project, it was based on my family being interned and and not having the true story of why my grandfather was the way he was. I didn't know that they were interned and I figured that out through the murals, but it was about talking to the sunflowers. And to me, when I see the sunflowers, I see fields of, of these giants of people that are all around us. And if I could have those stories, I wouldn't probably have struggled. I mean, I lost... I lost my dad, Rick lost his dad, I lost, and then Rick lost his uncle, the 12-year-old nephew and brother, all at the same time. And I remember being just, couldn't breathe, like you just didn't, and then I ended up here, and it was just, and the death was such a fracture, but that's how I ended up here, and how my husband and I got back together was when my cousin brother Bob died, we went back to Cranbrook to the funeral and there was a huge funeral and I watched all our family come together and my husband and I because we had been divorced and then got back together was that in that journey of that fracture was the only people that could see each other through that pain and and that pain is in the Sveva Katani mural because my dad died while I was painting that mural yeah you know, death does funny things to us, us survivors, and the grief that surrounds us is real. And it is so overwhelming in how it comes out of us. And I always wrote for years and years until I realized that my mother was focused on my writing and less on hers, so I stopped. Oh. And now, now I write so much and a lot of it is I think trying to play catch up on the grief of not writing and on the grief of the loss of my mom my dad and Mark Um, and getting those words out it is totally different now than it would have been 10 years ago those words are completely wrapped in grief right now and Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that there are things coming out of me that I didn't even know existed when I sit down and write and it, it's phenomenal for me. And like I say, I get exhausted. I get exhausted not for a couple hours, but for days. It just takes all the energy out of me just to write a little bit. And 
I'm hoping for that day to come where the writing is less wrapped in grief, but more um, wrapped in the happiness and those sunflowers. Because when I look at sunflowers, I just see happy. And I've never seen anyone look at a sunflower and frown. Never. I've only seen them look at it and smile. So I think that's really important in that project that you have going on, but also just in the general way that we respond to our own passion. We have to accept it. We have to accept who we are, what our, what we're here to do, what our story might be, and just pursue it. And that's really what's important. It's, it is the talking because it is the wisdom. And, um, and we welcome you to the Sunflower Project. Everybody is welcome. Like when we do the wall for Dalvir, which is just such an important thing to me, um, she wrote something to me one day we were talking and she wrote when you paint me paint me with your with my scars so that people will know and i was just like it it's important that we tell these stories you're actually channeling right when i paint murals of the old photos they channel you when i painted elvis presley i went into such a deep depression and i had talked to priscilla and a few other people about what he looked like i couldn't get the grief out of my soul while i painted him we are channeling and, and that's what happens, right? And, and I believe that with my whole heart. And I think death is a terrible thing, but some of the most glorious pieces of art come from that. And I believe that you're writing their stories now. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. And for the first time in my life, I'm not restricting it. I'm actually just letting it happen. And sometimes the words come out and I look at them and I'm thinking, oh, so-and-so is going to be hurt by that or they're going to think this. And I just, it doesn't matter. It doesn't I matter. just leave it. I leave it because I can't change it. Just like you said, you can't make it a lie when you write. And I, I can't change those words to be something that they're not, to make somebody else feel good. I think as women, it's letting go of expectations. It's really interesting because my daughter, she took her kids out of school because she has really creative kids. And she goes, Mom, I am not dimming them in any form. And they, they go to another school. And it's interesting because death has been my friend and many things because as hard as death is, it has been pivotal in my life. I was eight and a half months pregnant and my best friend got killed in a motorcycle accident while I was pregnant. And it was me who had to remove her life support two weeks before I gave birth to my daughter. And I wrote, (laughs) and I wrote, and I wrote, and I wrote. My daughter is the same personality of my girlfriend. And you know, it's interesting, we've stayed in touch with family, and there's daughters now, and we are still so connected. And I truly believe, and I do have a spiritual guider that I can phone, and I can actually, some people might think it's crazy, but I get to talk. I've been able to talk to my dad, and they channel. And it's, I really do believe that it's just this little waterfall that's between and they're waiting for us at a campfire. My dad was at a campfire. He called me blue eyes. He said, hey, blue eyes. He goes, I know you're watching me comb my hair like you used to when I was little, when you were little. I was like, how did this woman know that? Yeah. And he, you know, and, and I don't think there's any craziness in, in that kind of a connection at all. And like I said, I, you know, I come from my dad's side is all gypsy descent and, there's a lot of beliefs in the connectivity between uh, people who have passed and the people who are still here. And for me, it's very strong. Do you know my family's gypsy? And I listen to Did, Do you know my family's gypsy as well? I did not know. <laughs> yeah, Ukrainian gypsy, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I think it's, it's pretty crazy when I look back at the history and, 
And, you know, I, years ago, I went to uh, Dachau to the concentration camp in, in Germany and just wanted to go, but thinking I was young and wanting to learn a bit of history. And at that place, I had no idea my entire culture had been decimated there. I, I did not know. And the impact of that was huge on me and, and took me probably three days to recover. And from there on, I just started to learn more and more and more about my father's roots and uh, his family. And it explains so much about my dad and his character and who he was. Right? So, right? So, so bang on when I look at what... Uh, the gypsy world and I look at my dad and my grandmother. Yep. I don't think I ever had one present from my grandmother that wasn't stolen. I'm sure of it. <laughs> I the same as my baba, man. My baba, wow, she was a hard woman. Like but you know, isn't that beautiful? And that's what it was for me because I didn't know about my family being interned and it, you know, all of that what my mother would have lived and those are the things that are so valuable that now we know. I think that there's magic in what comes from our hands from those writings, you know, like that is the story. So I can see you actually doing some writing for the Sunflower um, art exhibit in February because they doesn't, it doesn't have to all be paintings. I see words on the wall. So after we'll have to talk about, hey, you want to do one of these? Because that's for what's sure. important, right? That would be, that would be a good stretch for me. It would be a good, and you know what? It's funny. Everybody that keeps coming to the table has a story to do with internment camps in some form. It's, it's pretty incredible because I thought, you know, for all that time growing up until I hear I was, you know, tender age and 19 by a day when I went to the camp, and I thought, you know, my family had escaped, and of course they were British. They were all part of the, mm -hmm. the, the alliance, and, you know, they'd escaped it. I had no, no idea the decimation that had taken uh, place to my, my own roots and culture. And um, it became very important for me to pursue it and understand it and, and just be a part of it. Well, I think there's many things to do yet uh, around that, that I need to go to Europe to do. Um, but it, I think it'll be exciting when I finally get to that place and, and experience what I know I, I want to do. Well, I wouldn't say that I'm grateful for COVID, but I'm thinking there's a little bit of me that goes to the world this is what it's like to lose your freedom. Are you listening? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I haven't been grateful to COVID in many ways, and there's there's one small way that I am super grateful. One, I get to write, and the other is I got all that time with my husband before he passed. Yeah. I got to be him and me. No events, no craziness, no extra curricular activities, barely any volunteering. Everything was on Zoom, and I had all this time with him. So I'm super grateful in some ways to COVID for that. Not always, but yeah, some ways. Yeah. Well, Val, this was amazing. Thank you so much for spending time. And I think we should do it again. And I think we should really um, get you painting a satellite or writing a satellite, writing whatever. It doesn't matter. In what we're doing, the more chaos, the better. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much. And we will talk soon. All right. Take care. It's the art and the history connecting all communities. The water flows through indigenous blue. The tides rise and fall, connecting us all. Water is life, hear our call. The water flows through 
indigenous blue.